Yesterday, we learned a horrible story about an 11-year-old boy who was brutally assaulted by an in-school police officer in Vance County, North Carolina. First, I want to thank thousands of you who made phone calls and emails from all over the country and all around the world. Thanks to you, the officer was fired yesterday, but we're still waiting for him to be charged with the felony assault of a child. I want to give you some updates on that case, but also have... Horribly, several news stories of police violence, fatal police violence all over the country. My good friend Lee Merritt is now representing four different families who've been impacted right around the holidays. This is Sean King, and you are listening to The the, the Breakdown. The the, the Breakdown. The, 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 The Breakdown. Yesterday, like millions and millions of you, I saw for the first time a horrible surveillance video of an 11-year-old boy being brutally assaulted, repeatedly slammed to the concrete floor by what's called an SRO, a school resource officer. It's just a police officer that's inside the school. They call them SROs in great part to kind of take away the the sting of who they really are. These are just sheriffs and police officers in the schools. I learned many things yesterday after we posted the video. On Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, it's been seen just the ones I posted nearly 10 million times. I learned that the young boy, the 11-year-old boy, was indeed knocked unconscious from the assault. It looked that way. And many of you who commented and saw it thought the same thing. I did indeed talk to people close to the family there in Henderson, North Carolina, and the boy was indeed knocked completely out. And the school mishandled the situation from the start. They should have called 911, but I want to... I want to have a little bit of sympathy for why they didn't call 911 immediately, but it's their responsibility. It is confusing for everybody. When you are assaulted by a police officer, it is confusing to know who to call. And that's not just for this school, but I see it every day. I am working with someone right now who was brutally assaulted by a police officer who had who did nothing wrong whatsoever and then fled because he was being assaulted and, and he did nothing wrong to deserve it and actually got away. And, you know, he didn't know who to call. Do you call 911? Do you call the police about the police? It seems foolish. And so the school badly mishandled it. They should have called 911 so that an ambulance could come He should have been rushed to the hospital immediately. He was no doubt concussed from the assault. Typically, when you are completely knocked unconscious, uh, there is a concussion, frequently at least. And with his frail little body, this boy couldn't have weighed 75 pounds. No doubt, um, you know, he could have suffered a traumatic brain injury and To this day, I'm not completely clear on the extent of his injuries because 
His family, of course, has kept that under wraps now, but they did reveal that he was at least not completely unconscious. And on Thursday when it happened, the school badly mishandled it. But in great part, it's because schools don't really have a protocol, don't really understand what to do when there's an incident of police violence. They rehearse every scenario uh, from school shooters to natural disasters. The schools don't really know what to do and don't rehearse or plan or consider or discuss what happens when you have police brutality in your school. Schools need a plan. They need a policy. What do we do? How do we report it? And so they badly bungled it. But then eventually the school saw the surveillance video and they did report it. And um, it, I am not clear if someone from the school leaked it, uh, the surveillance video, to the media. I believe that's what happened, uh, that they sent it to the media on the low. But school officials called the local sheriff's office to report what they saw in the video. And so that's better than nothing. Uh, They did it the next day on Friday. And immediately when the sheriff and others saw that video, they should have immediately terminated the officer and arrested him for felony assault. No questions asked. Stop this foolishness about an investigation Yesterday, they were talking all types of weirdness about they were getting the FBI involved. Listen, you just saw a grown man brutally assault a little boy. Had, listen, had the roles been reversed and a boy at that school brutally assaulted a police officer, ask yourself, I'm talking about knock the police officer unconscious. Ask yourself, would would they call the FBI? Would they say, we're investigating this to find out what really happened? Or if a child had just brutally assaulted another child to the point of someone being knocked out, would they have held out? Or would they have arrested that child right then and there? What we see is instead of police officers being held to a higher standard, which is reasonable, right? Shouldn't they be held to the highest standard of the law? In fact, around the world, that is typically the case. But in the United States, instead of being held to a higher standard, police officers are routinely held to a lower standard. We're going to investigate this. Investigate what? He knocked a child out. Then after he knocked him out, picked him up and threw him down on the ground again and then dragged him around like a sack of potatoes. I would say like an animal, but what you and I know is that if a video of a police officer doing that to an animal existed, that police officer would already be in jail. Let's be real. Had he mistreated a dog or a cat or a rabbit or anything else like that, that man would be in jail right away. But again, we see police officers routinely held to a lower standard. So yes, 
We're still calling for charges to be filed. We're still calling for an arrest to be made. And it's absolutely preposterous that it hasn't happened already. It's the breakdown, the breakdown, the breakdown, the breakdown, the breakdown, break it down now. Of all the things that Trump has done over the past three years or so, three years and some change, one of the things that disturbs me most is how the wall-to-wall, hour-to-hour, minute-to-minute coverage of his presidency. And listen, he is president of the United States. I understand that, that what he does must and needs to be covered. But the coverage of Trump, of his foolish tweets and statements, of his reckless actions, of the impeachment now of, of his campaign for president, has basically sucked the entire wind out of the news cycle. And as a result, so many issues and stories that should be breaking news, that should be consistent headlines, no longer get that coverage. And nothing has suffered more than the coverage on police brutality and police violence across the country. Last week, my best friend and brother, the civil rights attorney, Lee Merritt, I've said this many times, and if if you didn't already know this, I don't know what rock you've been under, but Lee and I went to Morehouse together now a very, very long time ago. But Lee is a, a federal civil rights attorney and represents so many families impacted by police violence. And as a result, often has to be the bearer of their pain and and stories and has to see things privately that he never posts on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook from inspecting bodies to studying horrible crime scene photos and videos to understand what exactly happened here. And just last week, in a span of three days, three different young black fathers were murdered by police. Cameron Lamb in Kansas City, Missouri, Michael Dean in Temple, Texas, and Demetrius Williams in Marshall, Texas. And each of those stories are horrible and painful. In two of those stories, on the day the fathers were murdered, one of their kids was celebrating a birthday. Literally, on the day of one of their child's birth, they were shot and killed by police each child literally canceling their birthday party because their father was killed. Each of the stories are uniquely different, and one of the things I've had to communicate to people is that in our rush to lump all stories of police violence together, we sometimes miss the details. And what I have found, having now studied thousands and thousands of cases across the years, that each case is different. Each police officer is different. Each victim is different. Each family, each city, each county, each police department, they're all different. They all have to be um, in- investigated and, and examined for their unique details. I will say that of all those cases, I'm stuck on the case of Michael Dean. 
uh, who was a wonderful father and a wonderful man who, after a routine traffic stop, ends up shot and killed right in his head. The officer was never touched. There was no assault or anything else. And the more we inspect the case of the murder of Michael Dean in Temple, Texas, the the more unsettled and frustrated and angry I get because it looks like he was just shot and killed in cold blood. And what we've learned is that the officer in that case, this is a man's name, is Carmen de Cruz in Temple, Texas. It, the name Carmen is often used for a woman, but that that is a man. The officer Carmen de Cruz there in Temple, Texas, has a horrible history of police brutality. And so we're continuing to fight for information in those cases. And as soon as Lee gets his mind wrapped around what happened in those cases, he was just asked to represent another family whose son, Jamie Johnson, who was a senior business major at Florida A&M in Tallahassee, who's never been arrested, never received a ticket, ends up shot and killed by police just one semester away from graduating FAMU, one semester away from graduating college. And we're looking for details on the murder of Jamie Johnson. He, he was shot and killed by what we know to be a rookie police officer in Jacksonville, Florida. And um, the, the story that police have been sharing just doesn't add up. And we're calling for information for witnesses to come forward in all of those cases. But our burden remains. As much as we fight for justice, injustice continues. And we've had progress and we've had victories here and there. But the crisis of police brutality is still a crisis. Yes, Trump is president. What do we expect? Did we expect it would get better? Of course we didn't. But it's getting worse. And what we see is that our people from coast to coast, north, south, east, and west, are still being met with horrible cases of police violence, including our children. And uh, we have to fight back. I'll close with this thought. You know, what I say in my, in my book that comes out in April, Make Change, is that we need people to fight back, but they have to be energized. And I'm worried that we're exhausted. We're exhausted from years of fighting back against police brutality. We're exhausted by the foolishness of Donald Trump. To fight back and actually make change, you need people and they need to be energized. You need people and they need to be organized. That's the second thing. The third thing you need is you need a plan that's as sophisticated and nuanced as the problem you're trying to solve. What's our plan? And then lastly, if you have energized people and organized people in a sophisticated, nuanced plan that matches the size and scope of the problem, the last thing you need is you need money. You need resources to build that, to fight back, to do the work. And too often, I see that we have the energy, but not the plan. 
but we have the organization, but not the resources. We need to bring all four of those things to bear at the same time against the problem and crisis of police brutality. Take care, everybody. Break it down. Break it down.